Welcome to the Shortwave Report for January 6, 2012. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. The Shortwave Report's a 30-minute review of news and opinion heard on the shortwave radio and the internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcasts at home is quite easy. You just need a shortwave radio with a schedule of English-language broadcast or a computer with an internet connection. To help you with this, I'll announce times, frequencies, and website addresses at the conclusion of each series of stories. At the website for this show, that's www.outfarpress.com, you can find a schedule for dozens of international broadcasters in English. There you can also listen to the past five shortwave reports, find advice for listening to shortwave at home, and find internet links for global news sources. Please check it out and tell a friend. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from Radio Deutsche Welle, NHK World Radio Japan, Spanish National Radio, and Radio Havana, Cuba. We'll begin with Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. A state of emergency was called in parts of Nigeria following an Islamic insurgency and deadly tribal clashes. Protests emerged across Nigeria in response to the government removing fuel subsidies. Gasoline prices doubled at the pumps, as recommended by the IMF and World Bank. The Pentagon says it will continue to send aircraft carriers to the Persian Gulf despite warnings from Iran. The South Korean president stated that he was hopeful that the new leader in the North, Kim Jong-un, could lead to better relations between the two states. Radio Deutsche Welle. Heavily armed troops and tanks patrolled the streets of Maiduguri in northeast Nigeria on Sunday after the president declared a state of emergency in part of the north affected by an Islamist insurgency. President Goodluck Jonathan imposed the state of emergency on the northeast, the conflict-prone central city of Jos, and parts of Niger State near Abuja on Saturday, and closed the borders with Cameroon, Chad, and Niger in the northeast. Jonathan told state television his aim was to restore security in troubled parts of the north. In a separate development, clashes between rival ethnic groups in southeastern Ibonyu state on Saturday killed at least 50 people. Police said mobile units had been sent there to quell the violence. Fuel prices in Nigeria have more than doubled after the government removed subsidies in a sweeping economic reform, sparking condemnation by opposition leaders, unionists and local rights groups. Prices at many petrol stations have already hit 130 naira, or $0.85 per litre, more than double the previous cost at 65 naira. The move is part of an effort to curb government spending. Fuel subsidies cost President Goodluck Jonathan's administration more than $8 billion in 2011. The World Bank and International Monetary Fund, IMF, have suggested that developing countries remove fuel subsidies in order to cut reliance on fossil fuels and to be better placed to adapt to climate change. Nigeria braces for more protests over soaring petrol prices as demonstrations are set to spread to the oil-producing region of the Niger Delta and other states in the country. Since the removal of fuel subsidies on Sundays, rallies have so far taken place in three main cities and several other towns. Hundreds of protesters shut down petrol stations in northern Nigeria's larger city of Kano on Wednesday. They headed towards the state governor's office, where they were blocked by dozens of armed police and soldiers. 
The National Labour Congress and Trades Union Congress have called for a national strike and mass demonstrations next Monday unless the government restores the fuel subsidy. In a joint statement, the union said the strike will shut down oil production, air and seaports, fuel stations, banks and markets. The Pentagon says it will continue to send U.S. aircraft carriers to the Persian Gulf, despite a warning not to do so from Tehran. The Pentagon's press secretary said the U.S. would continue to deploy military assets to the Gulf in accordance with international law and to maintain a constant state of high vigilance to ensure the flow of sea commerce. He was responding to a statement from the head of the Iranian army who threatened unspecified action if U.S. aircraft carriers returned to the region. At the same time, although the Pentagon spokesman said Washington was not seeking a confrontation over the Strait of Hormuz, last month Iran threatened to blockade the seaway, which is a key route for oil tankers. As North Korea gets used to life under its new leader Kim Jong-un, South Korea's president has said the regime change in the north could provide an opportunity for better ties between the two countries. In a televised address, South Korean President Lee Myung-bak said his country was leaving the window of opportunity open for peace and stability on the North Korean peninsula. He also indicated his hope that that the North would be open to putting its nuclear program on hold so international talks regarding the country's nuclear activity could resume. Lee was clear, however, that any North Korean attacks would be met with a stern response. In 2010, 50 South Koreans died in attacks that were blamed on the North. Those reports were from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, which may be heard at a combined audio-video website, mediacenter.dw-world.de. Next, NHK World Radio Japan. North Korea said bilateral ties with Japan were darkened by a lack of condolences for the death of Kim Jong-il. Insurance companies made record payouts last year on natural disasters. This record does not include claims following the nuclear disaster at Fukushima. The anti-whaling group Sea Shepherd began obstructing a Japanese whaling ship in the Antarctic on Wednesday. The mayor of another town in Fukushima Prefecture opposes the plan to store radioactive soil in his area. The head of Japan's nuclear safety agency is calling for more effort to gain public trust of the nuclear power industry. Toshiba has developed a mobile system to decontaminate areas affected by radiation leaks. Only six of Japan's 54 nuclear power plants are currently in operation, and many oppose reopening any more. France's nuclear watchdog says that their nuclear power plants need billions of dollars to improve safety in the event of natural disasters. NHK Japan North Korea says Japan has darkened the prospects for bilateral ties by not officially offering condolences after Kim Jong-il's death. A report Tuesday by the state-run Korean Central News Agency provides the North's first comment on Japan since Kim Jong-un took power. The report notes that the Japanese government put the nation on high security alert rather than expressing regret over the death of the North's former leader. The agency criticizes Japan for preventing a top official of the General Association of Korean Residents in Japan from attending the late leader's funeral. The report denounces Japanese Prime Minister Yoshihiko Noda and Chief Cabinet Secretary Osamu Fujimura by name, saying 
they know nothing about basic morals and manners. The report adds that the North no longer recognizes the issue of North Korean abductions of Japanese nationals. Insurance companies made record payouts last year in response to disasters around the world. Total payments for the year reached $105 billion. Leading German insurer Munich Re said on Wednesday payments were made in about 820 disasters. The total figure in 2011 was $4 billion higher than the previous record in 2005 when Hurricane Katrina devastated the southern United States. The highest payout of $40 billion was made for the March 11th earthquake and tsunami in Japan. That's nearly 40% of the total for the year. That figure does not include claims following the nuclear accident at Tokyo Electric Power Company's Daiichi plant in Fukushima Prefecture. Payouts for the earthquake in southern New Zealand in February reached $13 billion, while floods in Thailand resulted in $10 billion in claims. The fisheries agency says the anti whaling group Sea Shepherd obstructed a Japanese research whaling ship on Wednesday in the Antarctic Ocean for the first time this season. The agency says a small Sea Shepherd boat approached the Daisan Yushimaru. The anti whalers then threw ropes and cables onto the sea to try to hinder the ship's movement. The ship issued warnings and then sprayed water onto the boat. But the Sea Shepherd crew continued their obstruction for over five hours. The Japanese ship reported no damage and no injuries from the incident. This season, a surveillance ship with Coast Guard officers abroad, aboard is escorting the whaling fleet at the request of the fisheries agency. The mayor of Futaba Town in Fukushima Prefecture says he opposes the government's plan to build a facility for storing radioactive waste soil in Futaba County. Mayor Katsutaka Idogawa expressed for the first time his opposition to the facility in his New Year address to town employees on Wednesday. The mayor said he cannot accept the facility because town people who evacuated would not be able to return once it's built. The central government officially requested late last month that a temporary storage facility for radioactive waste soil be built in Futaba County. The county has eight municipalities and it's also home to the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant. The entirety of Futaba town is designated as a no entry zone. The residents and the town office have been evacuated to a city in Saitama Prefecture, north of Tokyo. The head of Japan's nuclear safety agency has called for every possible effort to regain public trust in the government's energy policy. Hiroyuki Fukano said on Wednesday that he is deeply sorry for his agency was not able to prevent the nuclear accident at the Fukushima Daiichi power plant. He said the agency's officials should remember that many Fukushima residents are still displaced from their homes. Fukano said it is not easy to regain public trust in nuclear safety. He added it has completely been undermined by the accident and the officials must go back to basics. The government agency launched 11 years ago will be united with the Nuclear Safety Commission and merged into a new nuclear safety body in April. The new body will face many challenges. The agency was heavily criticized in a government report on the nuclear accident released in December. The report said agency officials working on the emergency task force at the Fukushima plant evacuated in the initial stages of the accident. It also said the agency's collection and release of information was insufficient. 
Japanese electronics maker Toshiba has developed a mobile system to decontaminate areas affected by the accident at the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant. The communities will begin full scale decontamination work based on a special law that took effect on Sunday. Toshiba says the equipment can remove up to 97% of the radioactive substances from 1.7 tons of contaminated soil and sludge per day. Toshiba and a Japanese machinery maker have also developed a system to extract residual low level radioactive materials from water and reservoir and sewage systems. The two devices are based on technologies used to decontaminate the Fukushima plant. Toshiba says it has already received requests to use the machines in factories. Some local governments have also expressed interest. The firm says it is trying to reduce the equipment's operating cost and improve its treatment capacity and hopes to increase production while assessing the demand. Debates on whether nuclear power reactors in Japan should be restarted will go into high gear across the country as electricity demand nears its peak for this winter. Since the Fukushima nuclear accident, the operation of 48 or 54 nuclear reactors in Japan have been suspended. The six operating reactors will go offline for regular inspections by this spring. So far, six power companies have submitted the results of stress tests on 11 reactors to the government. Based on the test results, the government will decide whether to allow power companies to restart their reactors. By the end of this month, the Nuclear and Industrial Safety Agency is expected to finish screening the outcome of a test at Kansai Electric Power Company's reactor in Fukui Prefecture, western Japan. The outcome was the first submitted to the government in October. The agency also plans to invite experts from the International Atomic Energy Agency later this month to have them check its screening method to ensure transparency. But many local governments are cautious about restarting reactors. Some are voicing outright opposition to such moves. France's nuclear watchdog says the country's nuclear plants need billions of dollars to improve their safety in the event of natural disasters. The Nuclear Safety Authority on Tuesday disclosed the results of its assessments for 58 nuclear plants in France. Nearly 80% of France's energy resources come from nuclear power generation. The head of the Safety Authority, Andre Claude Lacoste, said none of the reactors needs to be shut down immediately. But he said their closure may be inevitable if the operators cannot improve safety before the June 30th deadline. Lacoste also called on power companies to submit additional reports on safety measures. Nuclear policy is a key issue in this year's French presidential election. Attention is focused on whether French voters will re elect President Nicolas Sarkozy, a strong supporter of nuclear power generation. Those reports were from NHK World Radio Japan, heard from 9 to 9 30 p.m. at 6110 or on the web at www.nhk.or.jp. All the times I'm announcing are for Pacific Standard Time, so adjust them to your time zone. On to Spanish National Radio. The new energy minister of Spain says that their nuclear power plant that was scheduled to shut down in 2013 will remain working. Unemployment in Spain continues to rise, now reaching 22%. A government spokesperson in Greece says that the country may be forced to leave the Eurozone, while strikes continue to spread around the country. 
the Taliban are ready to set up a political office, possibly in Qatar, to speed negotiations to end the war in Afghanistan. A review of the Spanish press on the first of the new year. Spanish National Radio. The energy minister, José Manuel Soria, has said that he is in favor of extending the useful life of Spain's eight nuclear power stations. At a time when it was vital to reduce electricity costs, he said it was not the government's intention to close any of the reactors so long as the electricity companies wished to continue using them and the Council for Nuclear Safety was happy with their reliability. The previous socialist government had planned to shut down the station in Santa Maria de Garona in the province of Burgos in 2013. But Mr. Soria has said he thinks that this will be a waste of resources. This would be a waste of resources as the Council for Nuclear Security has said it could safely be kept open until 2019. Unemployment has risen in Spain for a fifth consecutive month and now stands at a record high of 4,420,000. According to figures released today by the Minister of Employment, the number of people without work who were registered on the social security system in December went up by almost 1,900, and by year's end there were 322,000 more people unemployed than in 2010. That represents a year-on-year rise of just under 8%. The real figure for the number of people unemployed in Spain is higher, as some people do not register with the Social Security when they can't find a job. It's thought that as many as 5 million people may be out of work. Spain has the highest rate of unemployment, around 22% in the European Union. A government spokesman in Athens has warned that Greece may have to leave the Eurozone if it fails to secure its latest bailout from the European Union, the International Monetary Fund and banks. Pantelis Kapsis said the bailout agreement, worth €130 billion, needed to be signed, otherwise Greece would find itself out of the markets and out of the euro. The government of Prime Minister and former central, central banker Lucas Papadimos is struggling with public opposition to new austerity measures. Analysts suggest the latest warning is designed to win support for the moves. Mr. Papadimos is due to address the nation in the next few days to try to win support for new spending cuts and structural reforms. Protests against the measures have continued. Yesterday, Greek doctors and pharmacists went on strike in the country's first walkout of the new year. The Taliban say they have reached a preliminary agreement to set up a political office, possibly in Qatar, as part of Western plans to end the war. A statement confirmed the move, which has been backed by Afghan President Hamid Karzai. Both the United States and Germany have been pushing for such a representation in an effort to kickstart negotiations. The office is seen by some as a key step towards ending the 10-year-long conflict in Afghanistan, but it still remains unclear if the insurgents, who claim to be winning the war, are prepared to engage in truly meaningful peace talks. And the Spanish papers start the new year in much the same vein as they ended the last. Crisis, austerity and cuts are the words most used. The announcement of severe cutbacks by the government after its cabinet meeting last Friday dominates the headlines. Publico writes of a general rejection of the government's measures. 
Two weeks after coming to power, the left-wing paper says, Mariano Rajoy's cabinet stands alone in its defence of the cuts announced last Friday. The paper adds that all the opposition parties have given the thumbs down to the measures. El País says Mariano Rajoy broke his pre-election promise not to raise taxes because he feared yet another attack on Spain's debt premium. La Razón publishes a survey showing that a majority of Spaniards believe further cutbacks will be needed to combat the crisis. The poll, conducted by a company called NC Report, found that 72.3% of those questioned consider more austerity measures are inevitable, while only 20% believe the measures announced last Friday will be enough to see Spain through the crisis. Only one in four believes that this year will see an improvement in the Spanish economy, whereas 65% believes that there will be no improvement at all in the unemployment situation. ABC says the situation isn't much better outside Spain and leads on the fact that British Prime Minister David Cameron followed German Chancellor Angela Merkel in warning in his New Year speech that 2012 will be even more difficult than 2011 was. Those reports were from Spanish National Radio heard from 4 to 5 p.m. at 5970 and podcasting at www.rtve.es. If you have questions or comments about the shortwave report or would like to make a donation for production costs of this unfunded program, I may be reached through the website or by writing to Dan Roberts at P.O. Box 1162. Willits, California, 95490. I'm grateful for any donations to help support this program. We will conclude with Radio Havana, Cuba. Ecuador may join the South Common Market, and Venezuela is increasing its use of the Latin American currency, the Sucre. Argentina again expressed its sovereignty over the Maldives Islands, which the British claim and call the Falklands. Tar sands extraction in Canada is increasing dramatically. New arms sales to Saudi Arabia are about to be announced. Israel and Palestinian negotiators met in Jordan in an attempt to discuss a two-state solution. Radio Havana, Cuba. Ecuadorian President Rafael Correa defined the sovereignty of his foreign policy based on national interests while announcing the possible entry of Ecuador into the South Common Market, Mercosur, and rejecting an eventual free trade agreement with the European Union. In response to pressure from some sectors that encourage a partnership with the EU, Correa made an invitation to recall the countries that were most affected by the 2009 crisis and made reference to the serious situation in Mexico after relying on the U.S. market. The Ecuadorian president stressed that his country is in the right direction while promoting projects to benefit the people and smart integration processes alongside economic regional groups that have a vision of the region, strategic interests, and realities similar to Ecuador's, such as the South Common Market, Mercosur. President of the Central Bank of Venezuela, Nelson Merente, said that the Unified System for Regional Compensation, Sucre in Spanish, will be used this year in financial transactions equivalent to 800 million U.S. dollars. Speaking from Caracas, Merente said operations carried out in 2011 using the Sucre amounted to nearly 200 million dollars, 
which shows the dynamism of the system in its second year of operation. The Venezuelan official added that its value depends on a group of local currencies of the member countries of the Bolivarian Alliance for the Americas, which signed a treaty establishing the Sucre. Merentes also highlighted the importance of new institutions such as the South and Alba banks to finance regional development. The Argentinian government ratified once again its inalienable sovereignty rights over the Malvinas Islands on the occasion of the 179th anniversary of the occupation of that territory by British forces. In a communique, the foreign ministry said that the illegal colonial occupation, dating back to January the 3rd, 1833, has been worsened by the provocative and continued disregard of international law shown by the United Kingdom in addition to its persistent reluctance to resume negotiations on the subject. The ministry note also rejects the presence of a military base established in the South Atlantic on, south, on false grounds of defense, as well as the constant carrying out of unilateral illegal activities in the disputed area, which covers not only the Malvinas, but also the South Georgia and South Sandwich Islands and the surrounding maritime areas. In addition, the Argentinian Foreign Ministry stressed that Latin America has consistently rejected the presence of British troops in the South Atlantic region and has voiced its concern over the unilateral actions carried out in the area. Newly released satellite photos revealed the dramatic expansion of extraction of tar sands oil in Alberta, Canada, over the course of the last 10 years, approximately 232 miles have been exposed by the energy-intensive process. According to Canada's Environmental Ministry, the expansion is expected to double in the next decade, which could result in the destruction of 740,000 acres of boreal forest and a 30% increase in carbon emissions. The Barack Obama administration is reportedly preparing to announce a new round of military sales to Saudi Arabia. The Associated Press reports the United States has reached a deal to provide Saudi Arabia with 84 new fighter jets and upgrades for 70 more for a total of nearly $30 billion. According to reports from Washington, the sale would come just over a year after the United States reached a $60 billion agreement to sell advanced military aircraft to Saudi Arabia the largest ever single-arms deal in U.S. history. Israeli and Palestinian negotiators faced each other across the table in Amman on Tuesday for the first time in 16 months to discuss whether or not diplomatic negotiations will proceed. Chief Palestinian negotiator Saeb Erekat reiterated on Monday the Palestinian Authority demand for a full Israeli cessation of illegal construction in the settlements and East Jerusalem, an acceptance of the June 4, 1967 lines as the basis for a two-state solution, saying this would pave the way for the resumption of serious negotiations. The first part of the meeting on Tuesday was held together with the representatives of the Middle East Quartet, the United States, the European Union, Russia and the United Nations, who have met separately with each side on a number of occasions in Jerusalem since September. The second part of the meeting was between the Israelis and Palestinians, with the Jordanians being the only other people in the room. Criticism of the talks was voiced on Monday among several Palestinian groups. Hamas called on the Palestinian Authority to boycott the Yemen meeting, arguing the talks would only benefit Israel and help it improve its image in the international arena. The Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine also condemned the talks as a grave mistake that would encourage the, encourage the Israeli occupation to pursue its practices against Palestinians. 
Those reports were from Radio Havana, Cuba, heard from 2 to 3 p.m. at 11760, and from 4 to 11 p.m. at either 6060, 6010, or 6000. Also streaming on the web from 4 to 11 p.m. at www.radiohc.cu. All the times I've announced are for Pacific Standard Time. Please adjust them to your time zone. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people to listen to international broadcast using a shortwave radio at home, or if you use the internet, listening globally is also quite easy. See the links at this program's website. Every Friday morning, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show. That's www.outfarpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows, find internet links for international broadcasters, make a safe donation through PayPal, and get advice for listening at home. The shortwave report is free to rebroadcast upon notification. The shortwave report is produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.